Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, welcome to the conversation. One of the things we're gonna try to figure out in this episode of the conversation is how in the world do we reach rural voters with democratic and progressive policy positions? Democrats have not done a very good job of reaching rural voters. If you've ever looked at an electoral college map, you will see that as a matter of mass, the country is largely red. And that is because so much of our larger counties that are very rural go towards Republicans. The major cities go towards Democrats. Well, don't worry, we got a guy on here who's gonna help us try to figure it out. It's J.D. Schulten, he ran against Steve King and almost beat him. Uh, in a district that was plus 27 for the Republicans, JD came in within three points of beating one of the worst congressmen in the country, Steve King, uh, in Iowa. Uh, so now he's become the executive director of ruralvote.org. JD, welcome back to the show. Honored to be back here. Oh, thank you, brother. Um, so uh, let's get to it, okay? Uh, how? <laughs> Who are your <laughs> rural voters uh, in America with? And both the Democratic and the progressive positions, because they're not exactly the same. Yeah. Well, I think one of the biggest things is we see that our one, it's it's showing up. And what we've seen, and this is so much from just on my campaign going out to all 39 counties and just meeting folks where they're at, is that the majority of the folks are with us on policies. But they're not there with us when it comes to actual voting for us. And so there's this big, large disconnect and the brand is really bashed right now. And so the first thing that we need to do is improve the brand. The other part of it is we gotta get our message out. And when we're seeing everyone just doesn't watch the nightly news like they did 20, 30 years ago. And so people are getting their message and their information from all over the place. But then one of the number one places they are getting it is from Facebook. And if you look at the top 10 things that are on Facebook every single day, seven out of 10 and often 10 out of 10 are some of the most right wing things you'll see. And so we gotta be there and battling in those spaces where voters are at. And so to us, that's a huge project that that we're looking to do, um, and and really what this project is kind of two prong. It's it's bringing the Democratic Party to rural areas, but it's also bringing the rural areas to the Democratic Party. Okay, well that's interesting, JD. So look, um, that's this deeply frustrating part, what you just mentioned there, which is that if you look at the polling, um, first of all, all Americans, but definitely rural Americans. Uh, Agree with progressive policy positions, um, but when you look at the voting, they're not with us at all. 
So, so let's talk about that giant disconnect. What do you think is the root cause specifically for rural voters as to why they're voting Republican even though they agree with us on policy? I think it goes back to the mis and disinformation. It's one of the biggest things that I see out there. And, and you know, when I talked, uh, went out on the campaign trail and talked just policy, and, and people were nod their heads, go stop at these small diners and, and these gas stations. And then you, you they're like, oh, you're a Republican, right? And you're like, no, I'm a Democrat. And then you just see this look on their faces. <laughs> what is that? type of thing. And and so one of the things I wanted to do was uh, we did a poll about two months ago, a month and a half ago that got some traction because it was what I felt we were doing uh, during the campaign and, and seeing on the campaign that the national narrative just isn't picking up. And we started, the first thing we did was just with the stimulus checks, the $1,400 stimulus checks. Was it from President Biden? In his administration, or was it from Trump and in previous or or another? And only fifty percent of rural voters thought it was from Joe Biden, and thirty nine percent thought it was Trump. And so you you see, Jesus. even when we pass things and progressive things, it's not getting to these people. And, and so we got to find messengers. And and so uh, that that's a huge part of it. So then we decided uh, to test out candidates, and we we did this just very generic candidate that we thought uh, stereotype what a rural folks would like for a candidate. And we put them against a coastal, um, um, I think multimillionaire who wants to give tax breaks to the, the super wealthy. And our generic candidate won by 35%. We put a D by its name and asked the question again, and the, the person lost by one. So that's a 36 point margin. And, and with democratic policies, we, we see are extremely popular. And progressive policies are extremely popular with these folks. But then you put a D by it and it drops dramatically. And so that's the biggest thing. And you look at, uh, I, I, I see so much in just my area of the, the country. Uh, there's a the county called Carroll County, Iowa. And in 2008, it voted for Obama. Uh, and then this last election in 2020, it voted for Trump at 71%. In where I live and where Carroll County is, the state uh, House member, the state senator, the governor, the member of Congress, and both senators, all Republicans. We have to get the Democratic message and the progressive message out to these folks. And and so that's one of the uh, our huge programs that we're going to be working on is creating brand ambassadors uh, to help uh, local folks talk about national issues where they're at and and to get that and amplify it and, and get some local influencers. And that's one of the, the biggest things we need to do is show no democratic policies are good. And, and this is why they're good. And this is how they'll help here. Yeah, uh, Oh boy, <laughs> good luck. Uh, so <laughs> no, because some of those stats are super depressing. I mean, you, um, uh, I have a thousand problems with Joe Biden. I talk about it on the show every day. But did he pass the COVID relief bill that got him the fourteen hundred dollars checks? Well, that's not a policy question. That's not a opinion question. That's just a fact. Of course, it was right. Biden, right? That's and no, thirty nine percent say no. It was Trump because I don't. I, <laughs> JD, they don't care about your stinking facts. So we've got to dig <laughs> deeper into the core of the issue here because and and the. Other curveball, if you will, JD used to be a professional baseball player, <laughs> uh, is um, is that man? Just a couple of elections ago, they voted for Obama. Now they're voting for Trump at seventy one percent. So if it's not the policy, JD, you got to tell us what is it? 
How did the Republicans and Trump in particular get a mind lock on people where they don't even care about facts anymore and they don't care about policy, they don't care about punching themselves in the face. They're just like, no, I, I'm gonna vote Republican no matter what, I don't care what you tell me. You could tell me that I, you're, I'm gonna get a million dollars, I'm still gonna vote Republican, I don't care. Well, I, I will push back a little bit and I think the Democratic Party has to look in the mirror and say, we lost a populist fight to a New York billionaire. And yes. in 2016, and and I don't think that part gets gets brought about it enough. Now, now you look at the history of of kind of why I'm a progressive is my roots are with the prairie populace, with the Tom Harkins, the Berkeley Bedells, the the Paul Wellstones, and so that's kind of where I come from. But but it's also we really lost touch with that and that lineage, but. This goes back to our, our rural problem. 20 years ago, we had the Senate Majority Leader, a Democrat from South Dakota. We had the Democrats in North Dakota and Nebraska, Iowa, Indiana, and all those seats are up this year in Missouri. And all those seats are up this year, and not too many people think we have a chance in any of those situations. And so how did we get there in the last 20 years? Um, and, and then you look at from Obama to today in 12 years, the biggest thing, the biggest difference in politics in 12 years is social media and mis and disinformation. And, and so one of the, the projects we have a, for, for ruralvote.org and in, in what we're trying to do, we have a 2022 plan and we have a long-term plan. And the long-term plan is to build this national network of rural uh, uh, folks who are, are trying to uh, improve their communities and, and try to get blue uh, in the future. But the but the 2022 plan, and this goes back to the poll a little bit too. And, and the poll showed that there's about 55% of rural battleground voters who are are we're not going to get. You, you mentioned D, and they're just gone. But then we're only getting about 30 to 35%. So it's that 10 to 15%. And if you look at the the way that the Senate is. Uh, Mapped out, you look at the way the electoral colleges. I mean, Biden won by 7 million votes, but I mean, to be honest, it was a handful of states and under 100,000 votes that, that changed the election. And a lot of it was rural communities. And scary stat for me is by 2040, 70% of the American population is going to be in 15 states. And so that means 70% of the population is going to have 30% of the senators. Whereas 30% of the population is gonna have 70% of the senators. And where's the Democratic ground game right now to prepare for 2040? So JD, I hope ruralvote.org works because I know that the Democratic leadership ain't gonna do it. They have no plan at all, their, their plan is lambs to the slaughter. And so JD, let me bounce an idea off you. I think that the Democrats are getting killed in the rural areas. Because they're led by corporate Democrats and they do a corporate agenda. And what would work in rural areas is economic populism. I'm keeping it real. Social issues on the left are going to be a much harder sell in rural areas, right? But if you go and tell people you're for higher wages and you're for health care for everybody, well, you definitely got a fighter's chance. But the problem is our guys at the top suck and they don't agree with that. They just don't. They work for their corporate donors, so the, the Democratic leadership is selling us out. And they're the reason we're getting killed in rural areas. What do you think about that? 
I mean, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir for me because I, I completely agree with that. But one of the things that I'm extremely excited about, and, and one of the things I ran on was uh, enforcing our antitrust laws and, and just being anti-monopoly. I think it's one of the biggest issues that that we should be at the forefront on. And last Friday's executive order by the Biden administration, uh, I thought, was remarkable. It's the first time in my generation we've had. Uh, an administration take on the concentration of economic power. Now that's a start. And, and I'll say I have a lot of folks uh, who are uh, farmers and ranchers for Trump that were retweeting me during my campaign. And I, I, I put a, a lot out because that executive order was such, I, I feel historic. Now is that solve everything? Absolutely not. Do I want Congress to, to push uh, and, and go far more? Absolutely. But but. Uh, it is a pivotal moment, I, I feel, and you you see what with the FTC they're ruling uh, uh, last week too. Uh, that you, you, when we put quality people like like um, uh, so many, uh, uh, we have a progressive movement happening right now, especially in the antitrust area. And I think if I'm a Democrat running, no matter where you're at, economic justice. And antitrust should be at the forefront, uh, uh, and we'll get voters from across the aisle. Yeah. So, by the way, that executive order, and I criticize Biden all the time, including in this interview, but the executive order mm -hmm. also preserved net neutrality. So, it really was a rare, excellent move by Biden. Uh, and, yeah. and those are the things that you got to get out. And by the way, uh, in, in terms of um, you know antitrust, my only slight difference there is that I, I don't think that people understand the difference between anti. Trust or monopolies, and I don't think they get into those details. I just think they hate big business, and nobody's yeah. nobody's ever told them on the Democratic side. We're actually we were the ones against big business in the first place. The Republicans <laughs> love right. big business. Now Tucker Carlson is out there pretending that they hate big business. No, they serve big business. But of course, Democratic <laughs> leaders, as always, will not make that case because most of their funding comes from big business. So yeah, I, I think that's the dynamic at hand. All right, JD. But if there's ever a moment now to to for the Democratic establishment to really change the narrative, look at the campaign finance reform stuff. Look at you know, look at how much money from grassroots donors went to Senate candidates last time. So absolutely, the Democrats, if they really want to meet the moment right now, they would really push for a lot of these things and get it passed in the House and Senate. All right, ruralvote.org. We'll put the links down below. Uh, J.D. Shulton, uh, excellent progressive from the heartland uh, fighting as he always does. Thank you, J.D., we appreciate it. I appreciate it, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. All right, back on the conversation. Um, you're gonna be shocked to find out that sometimes uh, politicians uh, wind up benefiting themselves at taxpayer expense. Or well, sometimes and it takes a interesting route, if you will. Um, so we're going to bring on Kimberly Leonard to talk about that. She's the policy and politics correspondent for Insider. Uh, Kimberly, you covered a story uh, about Eric Swalwell and some other legislators uh, that went on a fascinating trip. Uh, let's start with that, and then we'll explain the background on how often this is done. So where did they go, and who financed it? 
Sure, well, um, it was a trip to Qatar funded by um, the US Qatar Business Council. And um, these kinds of trips are really supposed to be what they call fact finding missions, you know, sure. where you go to another country, you learn a little bit about um, some of the policy issues that you might have to vote on. Um, in the case of the Qatar trip, we actually um, uploaded the entire agenda of the trip. And, um, you know, they talked about the World Cup to be held there last year. They talked about some security issues, they met with hospitality. In the hospitality industry. Um, so they did have a lot of business on the agenda. But um, what happened was after we ran a story initially um, reporting on the trip, which you know this private group funded paid about $84,000 um, for five house members to go was that um, Congressman Swalwell and Congressman Gallego had gone on a camel ride with their spouses at the time. And, you know, we later learned that that part of the trip was not privately funded, but it still raises questions about, you know, what you're doing on these trips. They're really not intended to be vacations. And we still haven't heard from either office about whether any taxpayer dollars went toward this trip, you know, such as a security. Security detail, um, and we haven't heard, you know, from anyone about, um, you know, how much it cost, when it happened, or anything like that. But um, it certainly sort of raises questions about, you know, what our government officials should be doing when they're on these trips. Um, and this particular trip happened in late March, early April, um, back before the vaccine was available to every U.S. adult. So um, that's another sort of sort of wrinkle in this particular story. Right, and and this story is getting a lot of attention now, partly because of the pictures of the shirtless uh, uh, Congress uh, people uh, and Eric Swalwell putting the swall and Swalwell. Um, so, but. But in reality, of course, this happens all the time, right? Uh, I'm, the US Qatari Business Council is not famous for having American interests in mind. Uh, but, uh, but there's trips paid for uh, to Russia, eight Republican senators went to Russia on 4th of July in 2018. What a weird trip. Uh, trips to Israel are nonstop, nonstop, right? Uh, so how does all this work? Um, who pays for it and are we supposed to believe that that the legislators are not influenced by who's paying for it? Um, well, they definitely are trips that are supposed to be used to influence lawmakers and to affect policy making. Um, you know, that's that's you know just sort of understood. But um, there are basically two kinds of congressional trips. One of them is paid for by taxpayer dollars, and that's called a congressional delegation. And we actually don't have a lot of information about what lawmakers do while they're on these trips. It's not like the privately funded trips, which are the second type of trip where you can actually um, go to you know the clerk of the House and Senate and obtain documents that show exactly where lawmakers were staying, what they did, who they met with. Um, but then there's always downtime kind of in the middle where you don't really know what they're up to. Um, but no, these trips are, are common. And the reason I was sort of intrigued by them was I thought, well, you know, maybe members are starting to travel again after a big hiatus during the pandemic. And that's what I sort of found. I should mention that most of the trips that have happened so far this year, uh, not just for members of Congress, but also for their staff have been within the US. And they there was one that was funded by a conservative organization that had, I think it was multiple Republican lawmakers go down to the Biltmore Hotel in Miami. It was right before Valentine's Day, several members ended up 
um, extending their trip. Uh, many brought their spouses, and so these kinds of trips, you know, even though they might be funded by think tanks, uh, maybe universities, sometimes, sometimes trade groups, um, you know, they have they have ways of sort of being influenced by outside forces. Um, let's say, for example, that a major corporation, you know, pays funds a, a think tank, then you know that's sort of indirectly affecting um, what lawmakers are learning. Yeah, 100%. So I used to live in Miami for a little while and the Biltmore Hotel in Coral Gables was gorgeous. So they're not sending them shacks, right? They're, they're, this is a real uh, giant gift to these uh, Congress people and they know who gave it to them, right? They could say it's a think tank, but they know the think tank gets funded by X, Y, or Z. Fossil fuel companies, whoever it might be, right? And so, and by the way, this is like one of those old deals where you had to, you can get a timeshare or something, but you got to sit through uh, some propaganda first, marketing, etc., right? Uh, and and so they often do training in these trips, right? And and certainly the people who paid for the trip are going to get to do a little marketing to these congressional delegations. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that's really great about people who fought for open government requirements is that they will actually require that the agenda of each of these trips is posted on, you know, a clerk's website. And so, if you read our story, you can see that we actually put each of the documents of all the major trips that have happened this year, so that readers can go ahead and read through, you know, who was speaking. At a lot of these conservative conferences, it's actually a lot of other politicians that are speaking. Um, and so, or you know, former members of the Trump administration, and you know, people who have been sort of, who are who are you know the talk of the town among you know the GOP right now. And so, um, there are definitely trips like that that are happening. There was uh, the Congressional Institute; they fund several trips every year for congressional staff. They had one for chiefs of staff in Maryland. Um, they do another one for communications officers. That's happening later this year. So it's a way to um, train. They say, but yeah, it's also you know you have a lot of speakers that appear at this, and I also noticed a couple of conservative journalists sometimes speak at these events on their opinion writers, and then. There's a whole other subtype I should mention because there is some usefulness to these events in certain circumstances. You know, government ethics groups don't think that all these trips should have to be paid for by members of Congress, but they do think that there should be, you know, more sort of closing of some of the loopholes that have sort of built up over the years. Yeah, I'm tougher than that. I think these fact-finding missions are nonsense. Here's how you can go on a fact-finding mission. It's called Google. Um, so you don't need to go to Qatar to find out about Qatar. Uh, and if you do, you're gonna get Qatar's propaganda. It's super obvious, everybody knows it. It's not like they're like, "Oh, I'm glad you showed up. Well, now we're going to do a neutral presentation and give you both sides. No, that's not what's gonna happen. And a lot of times like they do with doctors, right? The pharmaceutical companies will invite doctors and then they'll make them sit through propaganda and marketing, etc. And in return, they get to go to Vegas. And in this case, Kimberly, it looks like the as you're explaining it in the piece explains in detail, it's kind of a twofer. You know, you get to go to this spectacular place, Coral Gables or whatever, and but you also have to get our talking points. And and for a lot of these politicians, they don't mind, right? They're like, oh good, I, I'm corrupt anyway. I needed corporate talking points. I'm glad to have it. I, I get to have both. I get a the fancy vacation and I fed the talking points I'm supposed to regurgitate for my donors' benefits. 
Well, there, you know, we certainly didn't hear back from a lot of members of Congress that we reached out to. I mean, everyone mentioned in the stories that we've written, um, you know, we reached out to. Um, there was only one member um, who went on the Qatar trip who did elaborate on why um, he thought it was so important to, you know, go to Qatar and um, the importance that it had in policy making. You know, there are instances where members will go, you know, domestically to go observe, you know, some environmental issue that's going on. You know, it might be an issue they have to vote on, it might be an issue they have to write legislation on. And let's say they're in a district where it's not immediately apparent in front of them. Um, so there are instances like that. Another thing that falls into these categories is if, for example, a member of Congress is asked to give a speech at a graduation ceremony, um, that university will pay for the travel expenses and the lodging for that member of Congress. So there's sort of a, a mix as to you know what all these trips are, but it does seem, and I should mention that even though these trips are happening again, they're nowhere near at the rate that they were, for example, in 2019. But they're certainly about to build up again. So I can tell you at Insider, we're going to be following very closely, you know, where everyone's going and who's funding it and what people are doing on these trips. Yeah, it was a little bit of a tragedy of COVID that it had to slow down corruption a little bit. Um, so, and by the way, this is totally bipartisan all the way through. There's conservatives who do it. There's well, not necessarily progressives, but Democrats who do it. And and by the way, I think all the photo ops are nonsense. They when they go to the border, right? And that progressives do as well as Republicans, right? They go to the border and they look at the border, like as if that's going to teach you anything. Yeah, we know where it is. You can see it on a map. Anyways, but one last thing I wanted to ask you about in your story. You also mentioned that the Fellowship Foundation, which actually TYT's written a lot about, also pays for some of these trips. So what's their racket? Why are they paying for Republicans to go abroad? Um, they had funded um, yeah, they had funded um, discussions about faith, I believe, in Bosnia and Herzegovina. I think that's the uh, trip that you're referring to. That was mm-hmm. the only other instance so far of a trip internationally um, for the members of Congress. Um, but these uh, disclosures. <laughs> are still coming in. So there might be actually other examples of people going abroad. And I think there were only a couple of members that went on that particular trip. So you know, the dollar amount spent was a little bit less. But but yeah, that that happened earlier this year. And you know, we're keeping an eye on who else they'll be sending and on, you know, what other people might be traveling. You know, some of these disclosures might be a little bit late, but they update them almost every day when when new trips come in. Yeah. All right, so since Kimberly, you're doing a great job covering this, the hot tip for what it's worth. The Fellowship Thank Foundation you. is sending congresspeople to send to spread anti-LGBTQ agenda all across the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's and then a lot of people willingly participate. It's mainly Republicans, but sometimes Democrats do it too. And so we care about holding everybody accountable. All right, everybody check out the story from insider Kimberly Leonard. Thank you so much for joining us, we really appreciate it. Thank you.